Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And good afternoon. I'm at the Health Heartlands Artesian and Wellness Fair. And you guys know I've butchered this enough, so remember, I got it right that time so you don't have to take a drink. Uh, today we're going to be out at Heartland, uh, and we're going to teach my class. And I have my friend Neil. I've been out here uh, with Neil, as you've seen him at a lot of festivals, a lot of energy. Um, He's had a couple of booths. He has, has one booth, big, the big one, and uh, was where you buy a lot of your clothing. So we've been hanging out, talking a lot about how merchandising works. And I'm at a merchant's fair. And uh, as you can see on the Ed the Pagan Show and on uh, live Daily Spell, you can see that out there. So today we're doing a little bit of audio. Um, I'll be doing a class here shortly uh, talking about uh, the miracles and magic of pagan life. And you've been hearing about it. And so what do, what do we mean by that? So I'm going to go ahead and... Uh, describe for my audience, it means living your life is really hard. And we live in such a trapped, structured, matrixy world of cash and jobs. And people always go, oh, yeah, I need money to buy things. No, you buy things with time. Remember that. You just turn time into cash, cash into your items. So you're really buying time. So any way that you can buy time is always a great thing to do. And so and we kind of are always about that. So when people pay attention, I'm always very, very grateful when people pay attention because they're actually giving the highest compliment, the one currency that we have currently in our society. And so, yeah. And so as we come, people come, we're having an energetic moment and sitting down, you're going to be listening in. We're going to, I'm going to drop you. People always ask me, how does it sound to be in one of your classes? This is going to be you dropping into one of the classes. Um, so, um, so who is out? Uh, one of these? Uh, so what else is happening? I'm on tour, as you know, tomorrow night I will be at Heartland. I'll be at Kansas's version Aquarius at Kansas City, teaching tomorrow at night. God, be quiet. Give me noisy. Aquarius bookstore. Aquarius bookstore tomorrow night. I am teaching. Is it the Mecca of Kansas City? It's for pagan and, and metaphysical things, it is like the Mecca. Okay. It's where most people go to find anything they're really searching for. There are a lot of other smaller shops in the area, mm-hmm. such as Crescent Springs in Overland Park, Into the Mystic in Mission, um, I want to say Spectrum in North Kansas City, but they're, if, you, if they don't have what you're, what you're looking for, they will refer you to Aquarius Bookstore. So the Aquarius Bookstore is there, and on Monday I'll be doing interviews there. It is bomb. Um, was over there the other day. Tomorrow I'll be out there teaching classes, and I'll be doing a, a bigger interview. So, so, <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm very fortunate. I have very fortunate friends. I'm very fortunate amount of friends that I have. I've always, I've. You make more everywhere you go. Most of the time, but I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and as people are coming in and sitting down, we're going to go ahead. Where is it? Oh, come on. Made in the spring. We're going to play Made in the Spring for you guys. Made in the 
So here we are at uh, Heartland, I guess, sitting down. Um, Miracle Magic Tour, this is where a lot of things have happened. Uh, so it is open for any questions. So Miracle Magic Taking Life is all about the idea of how we simply filter our lives, how we see our lives. Um, a lot of perspective, you can, you know, you always hear the thing is that, you know, the glass is half full or the glass is half empty, optimist, pessimist, right? You know, a realist just goes, well, there's a certain amount of water in there. And I'm going to drink it. I'm going to drink it. Thank you. Uh, while everybody else is arguing, we finish it off. Um, that's an entrepreneur. There you go. There you go. Um, and a lot of times we don't ask what's in the water. That's always one of my big things. So what type of water is? Why are we so concerned about it? And it really means a lot of times we are worried about the structure or the container that we're fitting into. What is the box that we fit into? And we forget that, you know, life is like this incredible moment. When I kind of describe life, I mean, I'm a very old being. I'm billions of years old, and so are all of us. In the sense of our DNA code, it constantly has replicated itself since the first amoeba decided it was going to divide itself. That moment of conception of life has never stopped. We have no evidence other than at the beginning that life comes from anything else. There's not been lots of spontaneous moments when life has reemerged. So life comes from life. And that's one of the great mysteries. You know, we've never we've never given birth to a dead body. A dead body has never given birth to a live child, not in the history of the things. And we once believed that it did. There was this whole belief for a long time that animals, like the flesh of animals, spontaneous at death, turned into flies. I can see where that would be. That was a huge belief. It was a uh, uh, trans uh, transubstantiation, you know, uh, evolution. They thought, decided that, you know, dead animals turned into flies. Uh, you know. Was magic was that sort of ideology? Um, at the same time, we, there, a very long time ago, the Sumerians knew the world was round. So we constantly are changing the way that our information works, the boxes we live in. We change all the ways of the sort of that the life continues on. And so, for me, last year when I was at Starwood, I had this uh, a m- moment where I met these spiritual beings, and coming away from it, I said, "Oh, I'm not going to carry your message forward." I'm not going to talk about miracle and magic. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be another victim of an unverified personal gnosis. Unverified personal gnosis is probably the biggest bane pagan community and a lot of spiritual communities out there. Because people have these great experiences and they want to share them. And that they feel like, oh, no, these are such a powerful experience. I should be listened to. 
but you have no evidence. You have no search. You have none of it. So, so why should you listen to me? Why should you believe me that my internal experience is more powerful than anything that you've had and that you should believe me? Good point. It is. And so you get out of people all the time. You talk about, you talk about, so well, I had this experience with the fairies or I've had this experience with aliens or I've had this sort of spiritual experience. And everybody goes, oh, no, you didn't. Goes, yes, I did. And it's so internalized you can't prove it. And so this is a, that sort of energy. We know that these things happen, but you can't prove it to a materialistic world. So when they basically, these spirits start talking to me, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to have an unverifiable personal gnosis. I need, you know, so one of the spirits said, okay, fine, your eyes are dirty. Took out my eyes. Very much felt like that, too. I handed it to, to a spirit creature, the, the Gaia creature, which was alive. And she was very beautiful, but she was very strange. Cleaned my eyes. Gave them back to me. And the next morning I woke up and saw the strangest thing in the world to me. It was like this, these trees, and they looked so strange. And then I realized that's what the color green was. And before I knew it that day, I realized I had full-spectrum color. Had it tested since then. And you can go into my medical records, and you can go into places with how many – I was not able to go to the military because – finished my military career because of uh, color blindness. Um, they invested me one time for being the Unabomber. And they discovered I was colorblind, and they tested that. They found I couldn't build a bomb. And so there's – true. It's absolutely true. In Evanston, I've had a, a very interesting life. In, in Evanston, they thought it was probably because one of the letters had gone there. They thought it was somebody who was in Evanston who was you now French. I worked at a metaphysical store. They had a picture of a guy in a hoodie with a beard, and they came in with that. They asked me my name. They asked my experience. to see you were in the, in the military. Yeah, would you study gun and made missiles until they kicked me out for colorblindness? It was a yeoman. He goes, you're colorblind? He asked me two more questions. Yeah, so they go, hi, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that was sort of thing. And now to have that color back began me to question a lot of other things. Good. And I can come in front of people and say, say, you know, this is one of the things. We can argue about the mechanism of it. And you can argue mechanism, but people have miracles all the time. And the thing is, is that they don't know how to do it, or they have magic all the time, and they just don't know how to cast it. Um so for me, one of the big things at Heartland, and I'm chasing a ghost in Heartland, there's a place at Heartland called uh, Katrina, and one of the biggest events, I always call this the, one of the, the most disruptive moments in my life um, for my magic, is that I went down and I went to this place called Heartland, they invited me to kind of cover the story and that sort of thing. And then a year after that, they brought me in as a, a speaker, 2013, and I brought this treasure chest that I have on my table full of items that were enchanted Casually enchanted by all sorts of leadership. Lori Cabot, Raven Gramasi, Oberon Zell, Selena Fox, and had all this box. And it was a nice box. And it was nice jewelry. It was nice stuff. And um, so I said, oh, yeah, they were having, uh, they invited me in and everything else. And I didn't have any liquor. So, well, I got this prize box. And it was supposed to be what it was for. It was supposed to be for gifts. And um, I said, well, why don't you, young lady, why don't you hand out a few of the prizes for uh, Twister Games? We won't, we won't talk about how lewd and lascivious that might have been, but it was a... We're familiar with Twister. We're very familiar with Twister. Um, and I, ha- I got called away. I got back there about three hours later, and, oh, my God, this whole group of, of lushes uh, and all these, pe- these young people were wearing this very enchanted jewelry. And the young lady said, no, no, this young... And she told me, she said, this young lady kept, having, kept encouraging her handing it out. And I said, where's the young lady? And she looked around, I wasn't there. And she described it. And it was the Katrina, the person who helped me collect all these items. And she made it get distributed out to a bunch of young people. And that since then, that, that energy has been there. It's one of those things that that land 
kind of the spirits of land. You talk about spirits and lands taking things, and they made that offering, and it's been very beneficial since then. It was a mer- at the time I was like mildly irritated and hysterically. Uh, when I found out what had happened, it was hysterical. So people have these ideas. Um, and the third kind of a miracle that I told people said people may not think you can accomplish anything in life, but I actually have literally accomplished something that that I'm known for. And that is in 1993, I worked for the Parliament of World Religions. And the pagan faith, my faith, was so belittled. And they told me a bunch of stuff, you know, to be qualified. You know, you had to have, you know, you had to have certain numbers. We didn't have the numbers. We didn't have the organization. And and so for a lot of times I worked on that. I tried to build Witch School, which became an online system. Do Pagan Tonight Radio. I do all of these sort of things. And then all of a sudden in 2018, we're standing before the problem of the world religions being recognized as a global religion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was an amazing thing. Our people walk the things and everything else. And so people really don't overestimate what they can do in a year. They underestimate when they decade. And that took me 25 years, but it was such a high accomplishment. Everybody thought it was ridiculous. Everybody thought it was impossible to get. Um, and it's not. And so, just do it. So I'm open for any questions and things like that. How to bring this sort of more magic and the more of the idea of the miracles into life. And I like believing building imaginary structures that turn into reality. My biggest one. So my biggest one that I've done is called the crystal web. More than a million crystals have been attuned, aligned, and created into a network globally since 1988. You can look it up online. And people are all over the world are placing crystals. And they have the crystal oracles. They have and things of that nature. Oh. And last year I did a ritual called the Crystal Oracle in Salem, where it was broadcast all over the world. I like big. I love big, incredibly large spells. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things, and in building imaginary structures, um, and making them kind of real. I'm hoping to with Neil. I'm hoping to have, you know his shop is a very different type of space. This shop is a permanent shop to him, and it exists, but it temporarily exists in these spaces. Right. So how do you, how do you, you know, how do you talk about Shangri-La? How do you talk about the, the shop or the trope that just suddenly appears out of anywhere, hmm? And then it disappears again. Brigadoon. Brigadoon. See, a lot of that energy, and so people want that sort of thing. Um, they, 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 they are incredibly known that one of the things that I tell people right now, our magic is increasing. Yeah. So I tell you, you can make money in so many different ways. People will, well, you're an entrepreneur. Make, tell me how my church can make money. The fairies have told us one way right now. So one of the messages I carry is the fairies have told us, so have, how much do you like your coins in your pocket, in the bottom of your purse? I don't carry them. Right? You don't carry coins. If you can get rid of them, you get rid of them, right? Actually, I save them in a dish inside my home as you come in. Mm-hmm. And I just leave them there. Mm-hmm. Until I'm really short, you know, the week of payday, and I need money for the machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But other than that, pennies I usually throw in the yard. So this is a thing that they showed me. So the fairies, so everybody was like really on me. How can we start raising more money for our churches? And how can I do it if I have no money? And the fairies explained to me that people have a disdain for their coins, and they have a love of the coins. So if you were to say a wishing well, if there was any wishing wells upstairs, would you drop your coins into it? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, right? And so the leprechaun, they took me into a spiritual realm and showed me the leprechaun. And the leprechaun goes, I want all those coins. I said, well, I thought you only liked gold. Then he picked up the coins, he took them to the bank, and converted them to a gold coin or his pot. 
So they're telling us that if we, as all of us as pagans, believers in fairies, and we do our fairy blessing, they have a right. To, they will help us. Like if you create a fairy bowl or fairy thing, they will attract, and it's very easy to attract a lot of coins, and not just a few dollars, but hundreds of dollars for your organization with the simple belief of the exchange of energy. I believe in the exchange of energy. I have challenges with the fairies and the leprechauns. Mm-hmm. I do believe there are other dimensional beings, right. whatever we choose to call them, and that's how, in my mind, I can mm-hmm. understand more, more better, understand more completely right. leprechauns, fairies, and that type of energy. So, so there's always three levels to this. Okay. And just deal, let me go ahead and deal with that. Please. So on the very so the person who was asking me is a very deep fairy believer who wasn't acting on their fairy belief. So they wanted to, you know they need to understand how to deal with the fairies. But on the surface belief, I just have to have people have a casual belief okay. for to for the fairy wells to work. Okay. It just you, you it's the simple popular belief that if I put a fairy there and you put a coin there, they know that the fairy is going to help grant wishes. They're going to help you with your wishes. And this is very surface. It's a very thin layer. Okay. It's an everyday miracle. It's the everyday hope, the everyday miracle that I might get something. I don't expect anything or nothing really great, but maybe, just maybe. Okay. And that energy, the Tinkerbell energy, we exist. Right. They give that sort of thing. And this is true of all spirits. But the people who believe deeper, like, okay, we've taken these coins and now we need to do something with them. And they remember to pay the fairies something that they want, milk, bread. There's people who actually do more deeper worship with them. And these guys, as fairy well holders, will do well to remember who they're dealing with. Hmm? Okay. And then some people even go a step further, and they have communications with these folks. And, and they believe and they have their specialized rituals, and they have specialized ways mm-hmm. of approaching them. Uh, Byron Ballard calls them the good neighbors, and she says you have to be very careful with them. So the fairy well is one of those moments where the most casual hopist, the child who has a coin, says, oh, I you know, give a wish to the fact that this is something that even the deepest person who wants to do real fairy magic and do real fairy good can convert the surface belief to a land belief. And if they use the fairies to help them collect the coins, if you're a deep believer of fairies and want to create a permanent fairy altar on a, on a piece of land, mm-hmm. this is the way this, this fairies told me you can move your money to land, to capital, to gold, where Leprechauns okay. could set a pot. So that was a message for a very particular person, but it had a wide, I've been telling everybody about because it had a wide application. Well, it can't hurt. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. in, in, again, in, in trying to accept other people's beliefs, mm-hmm. like the personal Gnostics you were talking mm-hmm. about, and, and the, the knowing, um, it's all kind of new to me, mm-hmm. and I'm not discounting any of it, because who am I to say what works and doesn't work and what's right and, and more right or not right? Mm-hmm. And so this sounds like something very doable for me. I've got the space. I know the spot. And you know what? If they want to come hang out, they are mm-hmm. more than welcome. And so that's the type of thing that I've, I emerged for this year, that I want to do things that are practical. Right. Because... I don't have to prove the fairies are at the other end. Right. But as a fundraiser, I can just have to prove that people will drop coins into a fairy well and that you as a church can do better. And from those little seeds of hope, that's what you plant, mm-hmm. then you can hope that they can have a, a greater experience. Because even though I've had amazing experiences, 
I'm probably one of the more cynical people. I've been one of the most cynical people in the community as, as far as, you know, everything's like, I, I, nothing against it, but the fact I see, uh, I'm the reincarnation of Merlin. <laughs> At, you laugh. Because I've ran into it probably about six times. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying that they're the reincarnation of it, is that they're the manifestation of Merlin. See, that would be, if somebody came up to me and says, I'm a manifestation of Merlin, I'd have a lot more respect for him. Hmm? I'm not. Yeah? <laughs> no. I've had somebody literally tell me they were a Viking Eskimo tribal pagan. Good. And they were the believe, secret, right? Yeah, and they were the mm. master of that tradition, and I only hadn't heard about that because I wasn't well-read enough. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, the gatekeeping in our community is another thing that keeps our miracles away, this idea of gatekeeping. Wow. Only because you're not read enough, huh? Not in, the ones I get, you haven't heard my, and I get this too. It says, well, I'm in charge of this tradition. I'm involved with this tradition. Oh, great. Why? Well, I haven't heard of it before. That's interesting. Yeah, well, we're a top secret tradition. Who are you now? <laughs> you just told me, the biggest blabbermouth in our community. You know, that's my job. I literally you do that. That's funny. I, I just wish people were okay with their own beliefs. Right. Like they don't have to be in charge of everything. They don't have to be the best. Your just you being you is good enough. Mm-hmm. Where we remove that gatekeeping mm-hmm. and go, you're okay. You don't have to impress me to be a part of this. Well, the biggest part of that, the problem with is that we live in a status world. Okay, so ninety percent. That's it. Yeah, not and well, uh, Dan's coming in. Yeah, and that, you have a lot of stats. You have a staff card. You actually, this is like you. You there. You go. Because I'm important. And you're more important than him because you have more and more and more. It's more top to you. More flair. More flair. More flair. Fifteen pieces. Uh huh. I need rings. I need. A, I need a spoon ring. Yeah. I've got a fork ring. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. And see, and that's what happens in the community. Is mm-hmm. If you go just on status, eventually you've got to out-status everybody. And that's a, that's, a, that's a huge part of what it is. got to understand that 90% of any herd creature, and human beings are as herd creatures as anything, uh, want to mirror each other. We actually have structures in our brains that want us to mirror each other. And so, that, so that's what you see. You, you see it in a football stadium. Football stadiums, there you go. Uh, football stadiums are amongst the, the, the best places to see it because you have people in the stands, you have the players on the field, which are the spectacle of violence, the spectacle we're all amused by. But everybody, in order to be amused by it, have different levels of status. What's, what's your seat? Who are you with? Because you're not going to see the football better than you're going to see it at your, on your 51-inch screen at home. There's no way you can have a better experience of the football game actually being played than to be sitting at home. In your jammies. In your jammies. You watch them in Jamie's. No, I have old uniform. Uh, <laughs> status, right? Hey, status, absolutely. I'm going to be there. Uh, and potato chips and all the cows. So, so if you're talking about pure comfort and pure entertainment value, no better than being at home. Yeah, but yeah, people will pay hundreds of dollars to sit in those chairs to be watching the spectacle and to have thousands of dollars to be in the front row seats or the 50 yard seats and tens of thousands of dollars to be up in those boxes. We can't see the same. You're actually watching it on television. <laughs> but there is this idea that we're caught in status, that everybody has to know their place in life, and they want to be a part of that. 
collective experience. So that's 90% of the population. I understand. There's 9% of the population, right, that uh, basically represents that they're, they want something different from whatever the mainstream is doing. I agree. There's a counterculture always. You have the lone wolfers who kind of don't need anybody and everybody else out there. And um, there's a lot of them. So you think your own thoughts. You kind, of, you, you kind of become responsible for what you do. And the other one is the idea of the contrarian. They, they, you see them. And they're, small, and they're the people, no matter what they do, they love to go into groups and just be contrary. Their identity is from the <laughs> believers and the other sort of thing. And just, they do it to be opposite, to be disruptive. And again, it's a status of saying, you guys are going to reject me anyway, so I'm going to, let, I'm going to make sure you reject me for my reasons, not for anything that makes judgment. And we live in sort of a judgment world. Everybody makes judgment. And then you have finally like a, a small, tiny percentage, a 1% population. And some of them are sociopaths, psychopaths. Okay. Um, and there's a difference. Sociopaths and psychopaths are very different. Psychopaths are far more da- dangerous because they can imitate all those types of things. Sociopaths just wants to make that sort of thing. There you go. Um, but also, there's also in that 1% is the idea of the self-responsibility. This is where your, your idea of you become self-responsible, I mean completely. And this is where you make your CEOs, your business owners, people who identify of it. Your best magicians eventually have to come to the moment. I'm, I'm solely responsible for everything that's happening to me. And when people talk about... Don't you think everyday people can... Well, not everyday people, but... <laughs> People in our community, don't you feel that some of them are getting to that that point where I am solely responsible for everything that happens to me? So that's the magic of, of the pagan life. We're not – you've already started self-sorting. The minute you come into the pagan thing, you've already sorted yourself of not wanting to be the collective. You've already beaten the easiest path to, to, to being a, a worship community. You didn't become a Christian. By far, it's the easiest thing in the world to become a Christian in the United States. Hmm? You go out of your house, you walk two or three blocks, you can walk into any church, and they're going to be happy to welcome you. Whether you fit or not, and you don't fit in that one, you go to another one. And then it's easier enough to become Jewish. It's easier to become Muslim. It's easier for you to become Krishna. It's easier for you to become Scientologist. Or any number of... Okay, and, and you see, when we do this, and this is where, this is where you're going to get into the miracle of pagan life. So you've got that sort of comprehension. Then you have the atheist, or you have the nerdist, and, and, you know, and they have all these other different ideas. So all of these things compete, okay. and they're already filtering out the, the easiest of the mirror people. Um, and you have people that are basically agnostic, the largest growing section of it. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I'm agnostic. I want to go to – I'd rather say, oh, God, in my bedroom than to say, oh, God, in church. <laughs> Wait, my name's not God. Thou art God. We are God. Uh, I are God. I believe I believe in that very much, but God is yeah. a verb. But it is that. So so already in a pagan life, you already have these people who are having experiences or ways that are allowing them to say these common ways to associate. Being a big sports fan, being a nerd in a, a nerd in a uh, Star Wars cult, being a Jedi Knight, which is emerging as a religion, you know, on its own. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely fantastic. And so out of this, so out of this mismatch of dividing it. 
we try to find self-identity, eventually the people who get into the pagan world are already much more of the population's 1% of people already wanting to change. Paganism represents less than a, it represents approximately right now a little less than 1% of the population. So you're already having that self-sorting. If you're coming into this sort of life, you already have this miracle and magic of going through all of it and then finding it. And it's not easy to find. So already a lot of pagans are far more conscious of what they're doing. They're much more of that 9% than the 90. And that's it. So then we get them to siphon out. Then you're trying to get them to siphon out even more to go out to places like Heartland or come out to festivals. Mm-hmm. And you got to motivate them. And that's, you know, that's the next step. Do they have find it? So, so by nature, these are people who are hesitant. Pagans are people who are skeptical, skeptical and yet have claims of great magic, great power. Hmm? I do. I do large-scale spells, and I have really good effects. Um, last, last year, one of my best spells, and the reason I came to the fairy about the fairy was that, and I'm, 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 I'm ab- absolutely adamant, um, the other thing they showed me and came here right before I was going to give my speech yesterday, the first time I met it, is that I decided I need to make a lot of money. So well, who makes a lot of spheres? They're saying, well, who makes a lot of money? Drug dealers. Well, I don't want to be a drug dealer. It's too damn risky. And then Cheshire, my, one of my spirit cats, and then Schrodinger, signed his name. We don't know his real name, Schrodinger's cat. We don't know the name of the cat. It's not recorded anywhere. And he doesn't give up his name easily. Told me that basically you should become a drug dealer we need the drug dealer. Cats need a drug dealer. They do. They're, the cats do not get enough catnip. And there's, other, and there's not enough silver vine out there. And people love cats so much if you, if you go ahead and do it. So I'm after – so one of the things I'm going to do is going to be after your cats, getting them high. Yes, I want to stick to cats. Now, I'm not just an ordinary uh, drug dealer. So understand, catnip is not enough. Silver vine – there's another one. So I need to get my cat silver vine. Absolutely. Because cat nip, she doesn't respond to. Silver vine, 80% of cats react to. Okay. And it's upstairs. So what I've, been, I've been talking about it. I've been talking to my friends. I need to get into the cat marijuana business. I need to become a cat drug dealer. Absolutely. I've got witch cats and everything else. So I come to this festival, and I discover a three-year-old company. It's right upstairs called Meowana. Yeah. And they have everything that I've been talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. So now I have my connection to fulfill the spirit aspect that they told me, start peddling to cats. And now I've got money. Huh? Because they have lots of money. Because the cats have lots of money. Right. Yours. Huh? They do. Huh? They're gone. Yeah. And all I have to do is figure out how to get to your cat once, and then they'll become my best customers. Because Cheshire told me that. It's awesome. And it's a real honest spirit world. So I've had another spirit sort of things like raising, you want to raise the most expensive cattle in the world? Raise earthworms. They're going for $35 a pound live. And that's a nature thing. And you can grow worms so easily. The pagan community, being in such a natural environment, they shouldn't have all the sustainable farms, could grow it. And I sell them on Amazon for $35 a pound until recently. Wow. Right? Honey. So, so another thing they've shown me, and I say this all the time, I've said this for a couple of years now, honey is about to make a big change. We should be in this business of, of this business. We have a lot of people who are out there green. Honey becomes wine. Do you know you can store honey forever? I mean, we have literally 100-year-old honey. It has a better aspect of being stored than wine. And every honey tastes different from the hive it comes from. 
just like every grapevine tastes different. You know, you caused me to have to look into that now. Yeah. Because I did not know honey keeps. Honey you found keeps. honey in Pharaoh's tombs and ate it. I don't, I don't doubt that, but it doesn't keep in my cupboard. It crystallizes. Okay, and that's usable? Yes. Yeah. That's you preservation. And you just warm you it up. You put water in it because it dehydrates at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. What's that? I said, I guess how old I was when I found out that you could use honey after it's crystallized. Absolutely. Today. Absolutely. That's how it stores, and it can store for hundreds of years. I have no idea. Absolutely. So that's a miracle of that Thank sort. You. Yeah, no problem. And it keeps all the things. And you can start putting labels on them where they came because yeah. they're genetically, you can actually have a genetic difference, and there's all kinds of honey in the world. So we did this to coffee. We did this to chocolate. So pagans should be, who are talking about natural worlds, should be jumping on, storing honey, storing it nice and tight, putting labels on it, not just for eating today, but storing it in their cellars so that their grandchildren said, oh, I have a 19, or I have a 2021 Heartland Pagan Festival honey harvested. Goes, wow, that's 15 years old. Yep, let's warm up a little bit. They got a crystal, warm up the crystal. Let's have that on bread. So that sort of thing. Um, seeds are another miracle that we should be having. Seeds are the gift of our ancestors. And right now we have a huge energy trying to wipe them out. But storage and ownership of seeds is a miracle. And you should be at, we should actually do it. One of the things that came out of that is that we have the right, we are absolutely the children that should be inheriting the value of the earth. And we already have the reality of it. So now I have to get them to, to, to people who want, who want to execute on it. Because the miracle is every type of pagan life you look at is wanted. If you want to be a grounding teacher, right. there's now Scientology did a good job teaching, uh, teaching what they call earthing. That's the second time you mentioned Scientology. Had you? I'm, I'm talking to them. I talk a lot about Scientology of late because they really are cutting into the pagan world. Hmm? And the, I hear you. Yeah. I have personal firsthand experience mm-hmm. with Scientology. Granted, it was a few decades ago, mm-hmm. and it was quite different then because the old man was still alive. Sure, the anagrams and everything else, yeah. Right. So a lot of the things that I learned through that mm-hmm. are still usable for me today. Absolutely. And I don't discount the Scientology itself because a lot of good people can get a lot of good knowledge and a lot of good useful techniques from it. Right. Okay, they did kind of go off. Okay. Sure. I'm not anti-scientologist in the same way I'm not any, anyone else. Okay. I'm talking about techniques that are useful to our community. Um, yeah, I'm just about techniques and, and, and that are useful to our community. And that's one of the things that, if I can interject for a minute, sure. that's one of the things I learned along my path and along my journey is that um, through mm-hmm. early in my life, my dad said, you know, if there's something you want to do, somebody probably has already done it, look it mm-hmm. up, read it, drill it, do it. Mm-hmm. I get Scientology, it's read it, drill it, do it. It's like, oh, it's like, no, this is not good. Yeah. But I have found that um, one of the things that I've learned again from Scientology is that if it works for you, it works for you. Mm-hmm. Don't use it. And that's it. Move forward. And essentially, paganism becomes the final receptacle of that. Yeah. As other people go through the various field chairs, they, you know, they, they become that. Because ultimately, the way I was taught it, you are your own priest. Thou art God. We are God. You know, thou art God. I are God. We are God. 
But that's what we ultimately, yeah, that's Oberon Zell's Stranger Strange Land kind of idea. Right. It's probably one of the most beautiful elements for it, is that we eventually have to take on responsibility for our own divinity, whatever we want to believe. And then at the end of the day, paganism allows for a structure for community structure. Yeah. And when you have community, you can then have magical uh, rights. So we had the ritual today. They were building a money, little money spell. They're doing all sorts of collective behavior. And what we've discovered inside of the observational world, I don't want to call it quantum, because quantum is a little different. It's some of the principles. But there, we have known for a long time that which we observe comes to pass. And that is a, that's a, either a motivational will. Crowley called it will. Uh, Frank Channing Hotty called it the group mind, the coming of the group mind. Um, but various ways you can create these sort of miracles. So... I've seen that happen before too. Right. So, and in the community, outside the community, different communities where there's a group think, mm-hmm. and everybody gets on the same page or very close to the same page, mm-hmm. that things manifest. Absolutely. And I love when that happens. Right, and that's already happened. I mean, so so, and sometimes it manifests stronger or weaker. Right. Now the festival here is manifested beautiful space, beautiful energies, and everything else. Heartland has been one of the best festivals I've gone to, and it's for very much strikes me at my heart. And, the, and everybody comes back to it being the land. So the last yeah, and I want people to come. I do really want people to come to it. Um, I think that's a very one of the strongest festivals to come to if you are simply trying to have an experience. We live in a flooded society now. We are informationally flooded. There's nothing out there right now that you can't learn about by using the Google machine. It is. It's true. And so when the problem is now we're in the community of having to have experiences, and that's where the miracle magic of pagan life has become. Where my miracle has come is that I'm getting out in the festival and talking to people and things like that. But you realize that we're living in a mythological time. So the the biggest thing that they've said is realize we're the dawn star ancestors. What does that mean? So... When we look at the hieroglyphics, we go back. We're constantly looking for who started them. We're looking for the Egyptians. We're always looking at who started them. We look at books. We said, who started that faith? Who started that practice? Who are the people who did that first? People don't realize right now, pagans right now, this generation of pagans is now the most mythical generation of pagans that are going to exist for generations to come. Because literally, when they trace it all back, these are the roots. Really, right now, our lives, the way we're digitally recording them into the next set of archives. Mm-hmm. Everything we're talking about. So this speech may not be preserved. They, they may or may not be able to 3D us in, cause from other points, from other pieces of elements. But I've recorded part of it in sound so that 50 years from now, they can be, we can be heard. And one of the biggest, strongest senses in my life is this idea of retrocognition. You know what that is? I, I have experienced that. Okay, Roger. The future, so things from the future to the past. And I firmly believe that we're existing now more of that. But does, all of that matters only to that we're dogs, our ancestors. And so we're starting to record our own ghosts for the first time. We're recording enough energy, and, and, and I realize that. So we're setting the same energies that other cultures have laid down. What a great fun thing to do so jj here he's 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 manifesting himself as a trickster but he's known he's gotten pieces out there people are getting to know him at a distance 
And so he's starting to affect people. And so what I teach people about the cyberspace is that he's already beginning to have weight in cyberspace to affect people whom he doesn't know. Heartland has a story and a legend to it that is growing that people don't necessarily know. Yeah. And that they're learning it doesn't necessarily relate to it. So when you get into the groupings of it, Harland, you guys like when you get into it, it looks like a mismatch. It looks aggressive. It looks like difficult. It looks like Start peeling back those layers. And there's some treasures in here. Virtual reality, man. Oh, yeah, we know. all. yes. Lately, honest communication. Mm-hmm. Um, gotten weird. I've been we've had we've had some very chaotic, rough times. Oh sure. Um, but it was a time for shaking up. Oh my, was it ever? And setting right. But think of the miracle of where you're at. You're on property that's private, that's owned by by like-minded people, and kind of, I'm understand kind of the same team. They're two separate parts, but kind of the same team. You have your festival, like last year out of the year, on property that is being improved constantly, and more and more magic is being poured into. Being attended to by the people who utilize it. Right, and then more and more energy is being poured into it every year, including my ghost. My, my ghost, uh, my, one of the people that I'm out there dealing with, is, for me, I want to go out to Heartland to find uh, more Fox. You know, say Fox's birthday was yesterday, and, and she passed, you know, who's passing spirit is an active spirit. One of the miracles I've had is I've, I'm actually having communication with a, an individual who passed, and she was pretty aware she was going to pass. She actually, uh, in the last movie she made, she was making another one, but she actually saw herself as a tarot card of death. And we have a lot of recorded things. And so, and she was the spirit of visit of the lodge. So she was literally supposed to visit, meet me for doing some film work at Heartland that year, and she didn't make it. She died a little bit more than a month ahead of time. And she taps it on this young girl, and she described it perfectly, handing out all these treasures. So the land has a sort of spiritual end. It was great for me. It was, it was a wonderful chance. got a, got a chance uh, to deal with that. So the last thing I want to do is I, let me go ahead and do something. So understand, so, so understand that all of us have a magic. So I want you to teach you, if you want to have more magic, you need to have a superhero personality. So I believe in this a lot. I do too. Oh, do you? Good. Let's go ahead. So, what is your superhero? Do you have one? Uh, which one's the superhero palette, uh, personality for My you? My superhero personality is just take this stance. Mm-hmm. I do that. Hands on hips, chest out, feet firmly planted, knees not locked but not bent, mm-hmm. and know that I am. And I picture the flowing cape and everything, and I have to look to the camera over here, right? And yeah. then I could take off and do anything I want. But the thing is, when I when I become aware of this personality, this part of me, mm-hmm. there's nothing that can stop me, right? Right. Because I'm super. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole different persona than what a lot of people see in me day to day because I don't need to put that out there. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm the shit. <laughs> well, like, I know I'm the bomb, so I don't need to put it in people's faces mm-hmm. unless I need to. Right. And see, that's one of those energies that we have. We have this capability. How about you? Do you have? More of the guardian protector. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Very much the the um, chest in your face because you've wronged the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And that's the person I think you guys probably understand. Like, oh, 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I stand. Like when people have issues, that mm-hmm. I'm I'm very quick to jump in and try to help them mm-hmm. solve their problem. And if I can't solve their problem, I'm also capable of pulling out the Justice League and finding the people who can. Mm-hmm. And you're very good at that. Because Superman's not going to fix everything. No. But Batman might have the right tools. Absolutely. So that's, that's really kind of where I go with it, yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. How about you? No? There's me. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> so you're for enough by myself. There you go. <laughs> and you are. You're centralizing. We're actually are crafting the truth of a, of a. We've been talking a lot about the thing about how magical your shop is and how it kind of is. And that's how you just live this sort of life. You're not. Yeah, I, I live. I don't. You know. live a heroic life, <laughs> and you do. I think that you live probably a heroic life. You live the life that you live, but it's fairly heroic. I mean, you're taking on big challenges. You're the adventurer that we all talk about. And and so so that's it. So for you, one of the things I see projected out there, you're the hero that we all want to be. You're at every festival. Every, all the people sit down and know you. They want to sit down. The big guys, the little guys, all want to sit next to you. They you know they they hang out with you, and that sort of thing. So you are one of the characters I think that get projected out to your community of being heroic. I'd like to be him, especially the younger kids who don't know how much work you do. Right. We talk about the work, but it's still like, oh my god, I'd love to do what him. And so that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit of a superhero. So what is it? What's your first time? Do you have a separate... I'm sweet ass as a superhero. I will get you all drunk. Mm-hmm. I will spread joy. I will keep everything happy. I'm and always... Safe. And safe. I'm always just trying to spread joy. And mm-hmm. You can't have too much joy if people aren't safe and they feel attacked. Mm-hmm. You need to... If you... The safer people feel the more wild out they're going to get. And my job is to make everybody feel welcome and accepted for whatever or whoever they are and create that environment that lets people have a, not just a good time, the best damn time they've ever had. Mm -hmm. And I will do that time and time again. I do agree with the, uh, at least from my perspective for you, the, you belong. Tried to lead things from a 
I'm the leader. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it perspective. But everybody's trying to do that at the same time. We, you, if we all take a different piece of the pie, instead of everybody trying to take the same damn piece of the pie, we can create the space to where everyone feels like they're a leader of their part. Everyone feels like they're important. Mm-hmm. I don't see why we can't have more of that. And we agree. And the, and the biggest reason why we can't have more of it is a lot has to do with judgment. So my secret power is to, that I discovered a very long time ago is I have a big mouth and that I'm willing to talk about whatever's whatever, and I don't care if you like it or dislike it. And through that, I've been able to create structures. So I, I work with people so they can help them have structures to success. And uh, mostly now cyberspace. I deal mostly in cyberspace. Um, there you go. Um, and that sort of thing. So I'm always looking for heroes. I'm always looking for, to tell people stories. So I, I'm the guy who collects stories and tell people stories. Okay, tell uh, Absolutely, and people do. And there's lots of stories out there. So a community is based on, so our magic is based on only two principles, right? One, do I believe it and accept it in my life? Do I believe that magic exists for me? And once you can embrace that, and that's the idea that you can feel like your own superhero and you can feel like a lot of different energies. But the rest of the side, you may even call it delusional. But at the end of the day, it is no matter what you feel on the inside. And the secondary form of magic, and the one that I work a lot in, is how much can I get others to join me in my belief? And so that's where the magic of pagan life comes in. We get together and we dance around a pop, you know, like Papa at Starwood, um, the luscious camp in Heartland. There's all sorts of bonfires and a thing. How much we can come together and believe that we belong together? The Roundhouse in New York. The Roundhouse in New York. Um, Take prides in, in various cities. How much? Hmm? Picnic. St. Louis Picnic, where thousands of people can come together and share a common belief and share that sort of magic. And actually, that magic grows because that brings the neighborhood, mm-hmm. the mundane, out. And so the miracle of Heartland is, is that it's a regenerative group, no matter what has happened to them, and control this magical land that everybody agrees deserves to be preserved. That is a tremendous miracle. And it's a, if you, it is not common. It's not normal. It's not natural to our pagan community. So for me, that's one of the biggest miracles and magic of this area is, is your community. However, you see it in the way that I see it. Hmm? And that's because I have a lot love to have my rose colored filters. Hmm? Well, we, I mean, Mm-hmm. I've been involved. I've been going for 19 years now, and it's been my goal to be to help. And now mm-hmm. I'm actually doing that. Now I'm affecting change. Mm-hmm. People are so used to not being able to affect change that they can't see that the only obstacle was them. That's what I love most about this community. If you come up, you show up, you do the work, you help out, you're in charge of stuff now. Mm-hmm. And people are so used to all these gates and obstacles that they just assume that they can't be a part of. Mm-hmm. Even we're out there with our hands out, and people are just so used to this. Uh, you mean me? Right. 
because they don't know how to respond. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to respond to, oh, you want to do something to help? Okay, you're not going to be in charge of everything right away, but, you know, help me do this. Help me pick up this piece of trash. Help me, Mm -hmm. you know. I rejected being called a leader in the pagan community for like three (laughs) years. I got elected to the board of directors for HSA. You know, you're a leader of the pagan community. No, I'm not. I'm a boy. I'm a me. Leave me alone. And that's the individual. So that's the thing that you have to understand. That makes the best kind of leader. Because at the end of the day, it's really about service and how you and how you feel with everybody else, and not about guidance. I get that all the time. Says, oh, you don't have any. It says you have all these people who follow you. No. Well, truth is, I do because that's what Facebook calls them and all the social media. Cause so, but the idea of it is, is that just being authentic and being that has bring a miracle. I'm looking forward to coming. Um, and seeing what continue watching this community grow. It's been one of the most fascinating aspects of it. I know they have another. So, um, so I, I'm blessed to have you guys here with me. I really appreciate it. I know they have another class and there's, there's another class getting ready. So I want to give them plenty of space. Um, any last thoughts you want or anything else? That Thanks for coming and sharing with us. KCHSA.com. Yes. KCHSA.com. Uh, you should bend a fork into a ring and eat food off of it. <laughs> <laughs> That would be an interesting experience. There you go. Um, yeah, I come out to Heartland. I mean, I think that people need to come out to, to Heartland. By all means, come out to Heartland. Yeah, absolutely. And bring me to Heartland. There you go. <laughs> and I want to thank everybody. And um and uh, and we're back and, and, and join the wellness. We'll see all our different lists and everything else. Happy be blessed be, folks.